from buffstampede.com publisher Adam Munster Tiger. It's time for the Buff Stampede Radio Podcast. William, uh, I got a bloody nose, a budding headache, but I, I got the visitor list for this weekend up here a few minutes ago. It's going to be a massive recruiting weekend for the Buffs. Some guys dropped off that list that maybe we were expecting to come out, but still, you look at this list, it's unlike anything we've seen recently, at least. Right, yeah. That, you know, we've, we've had such a drought, though, as we look at the lists uh, and uh, seeing who was, gets added and dropped off, it's, it's just more exciting than anything we've seen around here in a long time. In a reminder out there, there's a, a late signing period and, you know, there's guys as coach prime has mentioned are going to be following him from Jackson state. So, uh, still a lot of pieces that are going to be figured out even after this early signing period, but, uh, so some really good offensive linemen coming out this weekend, uh, a quarterback, they could use a second quarterback in this class, uh, a running back that was second team, all sec this last year. And, uh, you know, Maybe the one that's most exciting for Colorado fans is Malachi Coleman, a blue chip athlete out of Lincoln that was committed to the Cornhuskers. Uh, can you imagine if they're able to pull a prospect, a blue chip prospect right out of the Cornhuskers backyard? Well, that'd be a lot of fun for all of us, I think. And uh, they, they, they would have, you know, they, they, they like to pretend there wasn't a rivalry when we were still playing and, and they probably still don't think that there is, but uh would like to pretend that it doesn't exist, but that would be a real, real um, coup for us. This is going to have to be a a shorter show because I've got a father engagement that I've got to attend to. Uh, Our youngest has got a cheer competition down in in Denver, but uh, just overall, William, what what has this been like for you? You're a football analyst for us, but you make no surprise about the fact that you're a diehard CU fan. You went to CU, were a walk-on for the Buffs. Has this been a, a fun experience for you, just kind of charting all the excitement that's out there? Well, it's kind of it, – I'm not quite sure how to wrap my head around it because I, I, somebody mentioned on the board, I think either last night or this morning, they said uh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, the basketball team was looking like they were going to hit the mountaintop and, and football was dead. I mean, you know, they, they, like like the EMTs on the movies, you know, getting the paddles and rowing them together, about to give them a sh- the jolt, and then the announcement comes about uh, uh, Deion Sanders, and and all of a sudden it, it's it's the most really unbelievable thing I've seen in football, certainly around CU football, um, to have that instantaneous boost of excitement and adrenaline, and and every day you kind of check in to see what's going on and who the names are and I don't you know I was thinking about it earlier today that uh, I don't know that any other coach in America except maybe like Nick Saban could have come in here and people would go to play for him but I, I can't think of anybody else who realistically would have been on a list to possibly coach at CU who could have done this let's talk a little bit about the guys that are coming and going out of this program. Like I mentioned, I put up the visitor list on buffstampede.com. So if you're not a subscriber and listen to this podcast, now's the, the time to sign up. There's going to be tons of recruiting news just flooding in the next couple of months, but we already know that four-star running back recruit Dylan Edwards is on board. They got a receiver from Florida, Assad Wasim, an edge player out of Oklahoma, Tajay McCoy, and a big boy, an offensive tackle from Ohio, Jordan Hall, any of those guys kind of stand out in terms of your excitement? Obviously, Edwards has got the most star power by his name. 
Well, and, and Edwards, I think we haven't had a guy like that. We haven't had a running back like that sign here at CU in a long time, over a decade, I'd say. Um, maybe, you know, even more so. Maybe, I guess some people would say a shot, Clayton. But I, I, I really kind of felt like that was at the end of the uh, thing. And we, and, and he, he, I just think we, we, we flipped this kid from Notre Dame. It's sort of unprecedented. So he, he's super exciting. To me, he's kind of like a, uh, uh, improved version of um, Jarek Broussard and gets somebody that's going to make a big difference in this particular type of offense. So he's, he definitely stands out. Um, Jordan Hall is a big kid at, at offensive tackle. Uh, you know, we, we, in a sense, we kind of traded him for Drew Perez. Um, but what everybody seems to think is that uh, Jordan Hall has got a much higher ceiling. So that's a good start on the offensive line. Now we just need to follow that up with some guys. There's guys that have been reaffirmed as commitments as well. Guys that were committed prior to Coach Prime taking over in Boulder. Quarterback Ryan Staub took an official visit out to Boulder last weekend. He's sticking on board. Morgan Pearson, a two-way guy from Oklahoma. Love his film. He's probably right. going to play linebacker safety for the Buffs. Offensive tackle Hank Linskis at Cherry Creek is staying on board. He was up in Boulder last week. And then Isaiah Harge, uh, he came on board as a receiver recruit. We'll still probably play receiver for the bus, but he played some cornerback at St. Thomas Aquinas. They won their fourth straight state championship on Thursday night. And then linebacker Victory Johnson, somebody that committed to Colorado when they didn't have a head coach, basically, right. uh, sticks on board and is going to be a buff as well. And he's going to be an early enrollee. So a uh, pretty good group there. Any thoughts on any of those guys, guys that, that you like out of that group? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, Ryan Staub, I think is a it, this is a really good quarterback system for him. I think I think he got lucky that this is a much better offense for him. And um, the other thing that's sort of stuck in my mind is they're not they're, everybody on the board. Oh, you can only take one quarterback. Well, they're clearly going after other guys, and so there's not going to be just him. Um, so I'm glad that he stuck with us. I saw some film from uh, Hank Zelenskis's final year that really turned my thinking around on him. He can really move. And so I think he's a guy that comes in and keeps that pipeline going at center. And then victory Johnson to me just reminds me uh, of uh, Chad Johnson, frankly. So I, I think he's got real up and coming that he's a kid that can play all four of those linebacker spots and really give you pressure off the edge and um, uh, really kind of do everything play early. And a lot of guys that did drop off the commitment list, and, and we expected this when they named Coach Prime the, the head coach in Boulder. These guys will not be part of the 2023 class. I'm going to list them off real quick. Offensive lineman Drew Perez, tight end Andrew Metzger, tight end Tucker Ashcraft, cornerback Jamari Holloman, who's actually going to play at FIU for Mike McIntyre. So an interesting uh, yeah. landing spot for him. Uh Edward Schultz, a receiver returner from Southern California, will not be part of this recruiting class. Safety, Adrian Wilson. Defensive end, Carson Mott. Offensive lineman, Tyrone McDuffie from El Paso. Linebacker, C.J. Turner. Edge, Cam Beiser. Defensive end, Brady Nassar. 
in running back A.J. Newberry. That's a lot of guys. William, are you losing sleep? Well, first of all, to clarify what, what when I said Victory Johnson um, reminds me of Chad Brown, not Chad Johnson. I don't know who the hell Chad Johnson is, but uh, I meant his his play and size reminds me a lot of Chad Brown. But um, the one guy on the list of guys that we dropped that I kind of feel I'd like to keep around was Brady Nassar. Um, and it looks like he might end up at one of our rivals in the Pac-12. But um I don't have too much. I don't really watching the films of um, the offense that's coming in here. It doesn't really look like they use the tight end all that much. Um, so, and I don't think either one of those two tight ends that we that we had here were, were really you know game changing guys. So there's not really anybody on that list that makes me feel real bad. Uh, I just want to make. I just want us to be sure that we fill up on big offensive linemen, and it sure looks like that's what. But it it it, it appears if you, if you had one thing that you were looking at is a coach prime offensive lineman. It's big. Well, Chad Johnson is Ocho Cinco. He was a receiver. So yeah, probably not a good comparison for victory Johnson, huh? Guys that we're going to have to wait and see cornerback Jordan Shaw. He's uh, from California. He's going to play in the all American bowl. He took a visit out to Indiana last week. We'll find out there. Jordan Anavu from California, a receiver. It sounds most likely that he'll stick with CU, but not sure. And then cornerback Taylor Starling is still on CU's commit list at the recording of this. But uh, I think that might be another guy that ends up elsewhere in terms of guys that were in the 2022 Colorado football program that have transferred out and found, found a new home offensive lineman. Austin Johnson is following Kyle Devan to Charlotte and cornerback. Kalen Moore is heading to play at Cal Berkeley. He's headed back home. Austin Johnson played some in, you know, looked okay at times, but yeah. uh, this may be a better level for him to, to play yeah. at. Yeah, I think he I think he could really play down at that level. And I think having a second year with Devan is a smart move for him because he won't have to relearn everything that he wants him to do. So he should just sit step right in there and be really good. And Kalen Moore was pretty solid. He was actually one of the guys that you'd look to on defense and say he's not part of the problem this past season. Yeah. But cornerback as a position as long as Deion Sanders is the head coach and bowler, you are not worried about that position. Yeah. yeah. That's what I was going to say is like uh, all the cornerbacks on the team could leave, but we got we got the best cornerback in the history of the game. And that, you know, that's going to draw kids for sure. What are your thoughts on Bill O'Boyle taking over that offensive line group coming over from Kent State with Sean Lewis? Well, I, li- I like that he's been with uh, Sean Lewis and that they know each other and that he knows the offense. I watched some of the film of the Kent State offense and and I like the blocking schemes that they use. And they're not going to have, you know, one of the problems sometimes you have is making sure your, your offensive line coach is on the same page with your offensive coordinator. And so at least that's not going to be an issue here because they've already been doing it together. Um, my, you know, I, Bill O'Boyle's never coached at this level. So uh, my question mark is, does he know talent at this level and can he recruit talent to this level? I think we're going to find out here in the next few weeks, uh, but I don't have any problem at all with his development of players because he, he uh, consistently there at Kent state developed players into all conference type level guys and, and got some guys drafted. So I I feel pretty good about him, but uh, I think it's a little too early to tell really um, what's going to happen with him. Well, he's bringing some, uh, I wouldn't call it Louis Vuitton luggage with him, but uh, if a couple of these Kent State offensive linemen that that played well for them this past season do indeed transfer to CU, what what would you call, what what kind of luggage is that? 
Well, I think somebody on the board said Samsonite. I, I don't really know where you go. Some, somebody else will have to do that one. But um, I think uh, there, there are so many really big linemen that have played a lot of ball um, in the transfer portal that, that have offers from us and are looking at us. I feel confident that we're going to fill that thing up with some good players. Let's jump in the Buff Stampede mailbag. We've got a few questions. We're going to try to run through as many as we can. There was a lot more questions, William, than I've ever gotten for a, a BSR mailbag. Everybody is re-energized as a CU fan. That's awesome. If we didn't get to your question on this podcast or the one I did with Brian a couple of days ago, uh, forgive me. Uh, we're we're going to answer a lot of questions throughout the course of, of this upcoming offseason. It just... Like I said, I, I got to take off here, so we'll get to as many as we can. Brett McHugh asked, what are reasonable expectations for recruiting this season, both from the portal and high school ranks? We saw see a lot of rumors of multiple four- and five-star guys coming to visit, but wondering how many of them will contribute right away, 20 to 30? And can you please comment and emphasize the O-line and D-line, which seem to be the biggest concern on the roster? Well, I would I would break right in and say why be reasonable? Let's you know I think based on who is showing interest and who's already visiting, whatever. I don't see any reason to have reasonable expectations. I I I really kind of think that almost anything could happen in the next few weeks. It seems like, but uh, um, so that would be my answer to that. I, I wouldn't put reasonable expectations on it at all. I don't I don't think Coach Prime's the kind of guy who who really fits within or believes in reasonable expectations. He, he means to, to confound expectations, I think. Yeah. I mean, the, the one thing that I would say you have to temper expectations is with 2023 recruiting, just given the time period and, and they'll flip some guys like we already talked about, they flipped a running back from Notre Dame that that will happen, but you're not going to have a, a top 20 recruiting class given the constraints with it being such a short period of time, putting this class together. The fact that, you know, coach prime did the admiral admirable thing in his coaching Jackson state. It just right. makes for such a short timeline, but yeah, I would agree with you with 2024 recruiting that, you know, sky's the limit. I don't know if they're going to rank first or second in the pac 12, but I'd be shocked if they're not in the top half of the conference in terms of the right. recruiting rankings. Right. Well, even this year, maybe, I mean, remains to be seen, but you look at the, the almost immediate interest and, and if he has it follows it up with any kind of, a, you know, decent team on the field, it's going to go crazy. But you just look at the one, one thing that's all, all, quite obvious to me already from the staff is that coach prime expects and requires his assistant coaches to work hard because they, they, it seems quite apparent to me that they are out there working hard and there's nobody getting an excuse and nobody getting a free pass on recruiting. If you're not out there recruiting, you're, you're going to hear from it from the boss. Yeah. He wanted us to emphasize the lines. I mean, we already talked about them bringing in offensive linemen as transfer portal visitors. And that whole front seven is going to be basically portal guys because yeah. they lose so much. You know, it was a group that we expected because of the experience there to do much better than they did. And so uh, there's a lot of holes to fill there and you're going to have to fill them through through the portal. Yeah, and I think there's a, there are so many guys out there that they're bringing in at that that they're uh, looking at um, on the offensive line. You know, like the, these a uh, couple of these two 
um, Kent, the two Kent State guys that you're talking about are just massive. Yeah, Savion Washington, six nine, three and a quarter, and and uh, Marcellus Marshall is uh, uh, was he six six, three thirty? I mean, they're they're just a whole. You know, we didn't have small guys at tackle, but these guys are a step above them in terms of their size. Plus, they're seasoned uh, veterans of college football, so they kind of know what they're getting into. So I'm very excited about that. You know, um, there's there's just uh, so many guys coming in. Um, and I think we, we could potentially even get some commits out of, out of this weekend. But uh, I think we're really going to rebuild the, both lines. It seems very obvious to me that it's a that it's a one, one thing that's been we went all through summer and the, and the fall with the former staff and barely really almost no defensive linemen that were over 270. And now there's. I don't know. I don't. I couldn't count them, but there's ten to twenty or so that I've seen get offers already, uh, both as transfer portal guys and and high school guys. So clearly a very different um, approach and and uh, uh, importance to both lines. And and I think they probably look at the you know the roster like you said that that front seven's got to be rebuilt entirely. Um, uh, and so we got some guys even visiting it. It's interesting to see the defensive tackle from Dartmouth then this weekend, who's obviously, uh, more of a quick, quick kind of a defensive tackle than a big burly one, but, yeah. uh, uh, a little bit of everything to me. I, I, one thing that, that is I've seen so far in the first few weeks is, uh, an emphasis on both lines that makes me feel a lot better. Chuckles, who is back on the message board after a long hiatus, uh, Somebody that apparently Coach Prime has uh, fired back up to to get back on on the message board, so that's exciting. He asked, "What exactly is it that Coach Prime does to make him a superior recruiter?" I'm thinking about an anecdote from a recruit that might give us some insight into the process. Well, one thing that's interesting here, William, is it's it's out there in terms of his personality. Everybody knows that that Coach Prime is an electric personality and he's got the resume as a hall of famer and all that stuff. But when I was talking to Ryan Staub about his decision to stay committed to Colorado, he mentioned that coach prime is more down to earth than you would expect. And we've heard Brian say on this podcast that there's coach prime and there's Dion and he has different parts of his personality And so it's not just the flash that you see when you watch his intro press conference. He can also sit down and be a real human being with you. And then very few people on this planet have the resume that he does. And a a building resume as a coach as well. He can point to what he did at Jackson State. So he's really the total package when it comes to being a recruiter. Now, if being a, a brash personality offends you, then maybe CU is not the place for you. But most 18 to 22 year olds want to have that personality and he's going to hold you accountable. Well, but we yeah. also, we've also seen at Jackson state videos from behind, from, you know, that his son puts up that these guys love him too, you know? And so he has the fun side of him, but he has a serious side. So it really is the total package of one human being. 
Yeah, and I think, and I think the, the the crazy thing about it is, like you said, he's got these different facets of his personality, but it's not an act that he put on just yesterday. This is who he has become over years of being this guy in the spotlight. And I, you know, I, he's he's roughly of an age with me, and I remember uh, when he was a young college and professional athlete. You know, it was all about the spectacle and the brash and the bit out in your face and the bling and everything like that. And and what is really kind of blown my mind in the last few weeks is to find out the depth, the depth of this man. And you watch some of those videos. I, I, I would even go back to that introduction to the Colorado team. And what I saw there was not like, you know, the media's like, Oh, he's hard. At, uh, what I saw was a, a person of depth saying, look, you know what, I am going to bring something here that's special. And those of you who stick with it, are going to like it. But then you see those videos of him back at Jackson state. Um, he's funny. He, he's clearly a very funny guy. Um, and people just respond to him, whether it's his assistant coaches or, or other players, he's just one of those people that comes along that people really respond to. The other thing that sticks out to me is he has a plan. Okay. So when he sits down and talks to like a Ryan Staub, here's how you're going to fit in. We're going to win games. What kids want at this age is they want, I, I would say the top two things, they want to be able to win games and they want to be able to play. Right. And he has a plan for these guys. And it's not just, it's, it's, it's like some people can sell stuff and, and he's one of those people. But the other thing is that, that, like you said, I suspect that when he sits down with mom and dad and he's very serious and talking about education, because when he's talking about lifting these guys up, that sells with parents because this guy cares about my kid. He's not just trying to win games. He wants my kid to graduate and do well. And I think all of that matters. And, and I think he has a plan for the whole thing. And, and I, I got to go back to what I mentioned earlier is he requires his assistants to do the job. And, you know, we've seen the last several staffs. We all know that there were one or two or three guys on the, on every one of those staffs that got away with not recruiting at all, period. And that's not going to happen on this staff. IA Buff asks, do transfers count towards the recruiting class ranking? So not the standard recruiting class ranking, but a cool feature we have on 24-7 Sports is you can toggle it to then have a transfer class ranking and then a combined class ranking. Now, one criticism I'll have, and it, it's just it's impossible, William, to accurately re-rate transfers. Like, right. how are you going to compare a rating from like a Dartmouth transfer to somebody that played at Texas A&M? Like, how do you do that? You really can't do it accurately. But I give 24-7 sports credit for, you know, trying to be on the cutting edge as far as this goes, because the portal is such a big deal now. You kind of want to be able to factor that in, into the you know, a secondary class ranking as well. So uh, I, I know our guys are, are trying their best. It just it, it's an inexact science and it, it always will be. Yeah, I would agree with that. And, uh, you know, this is unprecedented. These are unprecedented times and it just sort of like with NIL and now the transfer portal and everything else, it just kind of exploded on us and everybody's going to have to figure it out over the next couple of years. But I think uh, what I'm trying to do to, to me, there's so many names, my head's swimming. <laughs> Yeah, you know. mine too. So, yeah. So I, I just try like somebody says, well, what about this guy? And I got to go look and see who that guy was and where he played and what, what his film looked like and whatever. But uh, um, I think we're all going to have a fairly good feeling of what we got once we got it. Let's try to get a few more questions in here before I got to take off. Let's see here. Let's go. Let's go with this one. 
Folsom 104 asked, I'd like some discussion from William on coaching challenges and methods to pull a nearly new team full of strangers at coaching and portal dudes within all position rooms into a cohesive and effective team. This is a good question because this is the biggest challenge that they're going to have. But I also think it's one of those new things that's almost unprecedented. Who's ever done this before? Before maybe maybe last year, uh, and and some teams did it better than others. But this is an unprecedented thing. I mean, short of you know, a couple times there've been a couple times in history where an entire team got killed in a plane crash or something like that. When do you turn over this many guys? And it wouldn't have ever happened before last year at, at the beginning. So this is this is sort of a new thing. Um, but I think. Uh, the challenges are to get them all to work together and be a team and, and uh, um, click with each other and have chemistry. Because uh, one of the things I, I know that makes a difference in a team is that chemistry between the players that they play for each other and they like each other and they trust each other more than anything else. So I think that uh, he, he says strangers at coaching and portal dudes, the coaching thing I feel pretty good about because enough of these guys have coached with coach prime before, and they all seem to be very professional people. Um, not like we've had some people that I wouldn't say are not professional and they're all going to do their job and do it well. And they all seem excited to be here. Um, but I I think in terms of coaching challenges, that that's one of the things we're going to have to see with coach prime. I think he's again, one of those few people who can bring guys together. And I think it's good that we're doing this. Uh, you know, we're not bringing him in in February or something like that. He's got all the way through winter conditioning and everything else to bring these guys together as a team. Um, and what I think is most important in that respect is the coaching staff has to be a team because, you know, we saw that 2012 team, those coaches didn't work well together, even though they'd known each other for their whole lives. Right. So you would think, well, geez, that would have been the the perfect situation because they all know each other. That's not always how it works. So I think uh, the biggest thing to me from a head coach is that the, the one thing that divides up a coaching staff to me more than anything else is if, if one or two guys are, aren't, held to the same standard as everybody else because then you're all like well we work harder than that guy that's not fair and that's not right i don't think we'll see that um but i think also in terms of bringing in those players you need to bring in players who fit what you're looking for in your team and i think that's certainly what uh coach prime was looking for i think the first thing he wants is somebody that's going to compete his backside off all the time cb buff asked where do you think dion goes with the uniforms one thing that I think they'll they'll do based on looking at some of the combinations they had at Jackson State is I think you're going to see a, a CU Chrome helmet, which would be really cool. That's one uh, thing in that, gold or in in the gold. Yeah, you know I I like the the Chrome gold helmets that Minnesota had. You ever see that those? Yeah, yeah, it was a cool look. So I don't know the the rest in terms of how he'll he'll want to tweak it, but that's just one thing that uh, I'd be surprised if they don't do that. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. No, I was going to move on to the next question. Uh, Do you have another take on the uniform situation? No, no, no. Because I'm not really uh, sure what he's going to do. So we'll wait and see. The one thing I can count on is that somebody will complain because if it's not traditional Yeah. and I don't care, let's get something exciting. Let's do this thing. 1130 lobster asked, how long did you know about the coach prime hire being a done deal before that Saturday night story. I remember on November 18th, I started hinting that signs were pointing towards 
Coach Prime being the next head coach in Boulder. It definitely wasn't official then. Um, and then I reported the day before Thanksgiving that about the offer and all that stuff. And it just seemed like at that point it was going to happen. Now, in terms of it being a done deal, like the week leading up to that, like everything I heard from trusted sources was that this is basically a done deal. But until Coach Prime comes out and gets on a plane to Colorado, I, I mean, how much of a done deal is it really? Right. That was kind of my thinking and what, what I would tell just a couple of close people. Uh, to me in my personal life is like, Hey, we, we saw Butch Jones back away last minute and, and Steve Sarkeesian almost took the job. It, it's one of those things until coach prime comes out and says, he's coming to Colorado. Uh, it's not really a done deal. Right. I mean, and we're snake bit so many times in the, over the last 15 years that I think it, it was, it was certainly hard for me to believe it until it actually happened uh, that something was going to fall through or that something was going to just go wrong at the last minute. So um, I almost, I almost kind of am not quite there until he's done with this game on Saturday, to be honest with you. Yeah. Mart5980 asked, which recruit had the best tape you've ever seen in all your years? Uh, I got mine. Well, it's funny, William, because somebody responded in the thread after this post and said, I already know the answer to this. And it's Rodney Stewart because I've yeah. answered that before. Is that the same for you? Right. That's who I had. Speedy Stewart, man. Yeah. Never saw anything like it. You know, now we weren't recruiting at the top five level like everybody else, but there's no, there, that was not even, there, there wasn't even any competition. There's not a second place. It's funny too, because he was a two-star recruit. I've right. never seen our message board explode with excitement over a guy more than that and usually you have like the the star snobs you know that right. unless he's a, a right. four or five star guy you're not going to get excited which i get like you want to have that right. star power right. but it was unanimous that this guy was going right. to be a star and this is uh the same year they signed daryl scott daryl scott right yeah but yeah that when i saw that question i was like well because he, he he wrote it sort of in the present tense as in like maybe he meant one of these guys this year and but I read it as as in all my years. That's that's the one. The funniest tape is Ryan Miller, and I actually got some v- exclusive video. I'd go out to a bunch of his games when he was at Columbine, and to watch these 180 pound safeties right. when yeah. when Ryan Miller would come around the corner and and get to that second third level, and you'd see guys basically just fall down on the field because they wanted no part right. of what Ryan Miller was about to hand out. Or run the other direction and things like that. Yeah. He was a, a man amongst boys in high school and a really cool person too. Uh, yeah. I'm sure folks have heard him on this podcast in the past. He's a, a unique individual. Love Ryan Miller. All right. Let's try to get a couple more questions in here. Movie Buff asked with new buzz and interest, are you planning to get out to all the road games next year? So I actually covered every road game except the Washington game. And that was because Sean Niehoff, who does a lot of game coverage for buffstampede.com, was actually already going out to Washington. So it made sense for him to cover that game. But yeah, we had coverage at every road game. And uh, I'd imagine that will be the case. It's going to be interesting, William, to see how much other media from Denver travels with the team now. Because it's been typically just Brian and I in the past. And uh, I would imagine maybe Denver Post will be traveling now with the team. Well, and I imagine, you know, like the first, the, they're, they're going to want to see what happens on the field. You know, if, if, if we come out and look like a dud, then maybe that takes some of the excitement off. But uh, I would expect that, that uh, 
with with Coach Prime, we're going to be the exciting uh, news everywhere we go, you know, and waiting to see how it goes. And, and, you know, quite frankly, I think a lot of people are going to tag along to see whether he falls on his face or not, because that's kind of human nature. People people will, will want to see. Uh, we, of course, want him to do great and, and others will not want to see that. So I think there'll be a lot of interest in anywhere he goes. Gooned on the juice. He asked, can we get somebody to Boulder who can actually make coach prime some decent grits? <laughs> I've only had good grits once in my life. And uh, the rest of the grits I've had have been pretty, pretty bad. Uh, what makes a good grit? Is it, is well, it about the butter? It's the butter. Yeah. We, we had grits down in new Orleans that uh, just would make you die and go to heaven but uh you know finding those is, is rare um but uh the, how they're cooked and the texture but we're gonna we're gonna do it we're gonna do a grits uh podcast i do a little southern cooking podcast i'd be down for that i'm all about food and cooking and all that i yeah. just you know southern food is, is something that i don't have a lot of experience making myself uh, but yeah no i think uh Ever since that video of him going to Village Coffee Shop and complaining about the lack of grits, I, I wouldn't be surprised if all of a sudden you've got multiple breakfast spots that are serving grits right. as long right. as Coach Prime's in Boulder. Right, and, and and hoping he'll come in and make a big, big big deal out of it too. Golf Pro Buff asked, what are you guys doing for the holidays? William, what, what you got on the docket? We don't have a lot. I, I'm, I'm, I'm on call all next week until uh, Friday morning. So we didn't make a lot of plans. And then uh, the, the family's all here in town. So we'll go over to my mom's house on Christmas and we will have a kind of a laid back, uh, easy, easy holiday period for us. We always play hosts and uh, father, mother-in-law, sister-in-law will come over our three kids, obviously the wife and, uh, and then, uh, yeah, we'll have uh, some other friends and family over. It's always kind of nuts around here. I mentioned on our last podcast, we're getting Katz's Deli shipped in for Christmas because uh, I don't have the stamina to spend a lot of time in the kitchen. I am, uh, I'm running on fumes at this point, William. This is yeah. <laughs> unlike anything I've experienced yeah. in my 20 years covering Colorado. There's been busy stretches during coaching yeah. changes and signing day is always a big deal. But I mean, this is like every day feels like signing day by the time I hit the pillow at the end of the day. What, what makes it that way? What's happening with your day that, that does that? Uh, the recruiting aspect. Like you said, it's hard to keep up with all the names and trying to sift through what's real, what's not real, who's going to visit. Okay, this guy dropped off and, and just keeping track of it all. And it's tough to actually get up as much content as I want to, because you're just trying to track down all this different stuff. And when you're recruiting highly regarded transfers and blue chip recruits, a lot of those guys don't like doing a lot of media because they've had to do it from a young age. And so they start to, especially late in the process like this, they kind of shut the media out a little bit. So that part of it can, can get frustrating as well, but uh, it's been crazy. It will slow down eventually, uh, but it doesn't feel like anytime soon. Well, I got to run, William. I appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to join the podcast. And uh, let's catch up early next week. Talk about okay. uh, some of these recruiting updates we're going to get here in the coming days uh, leading up to the early signing period. Just out of curiosity, real quick, if you have an answer, have you seen a spike in uh, subscriptions and signups on the, on, the, on the site? Yeah, it's been good for business. So that part of it uh, is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's been a long time coming. Yeah, no kidding. And you kind of bet the, the man in wilderness.
Yeah. All right, William, I appreciate you and appreciate everybody out there for tuning in as always.